Well, I um, just wanted to share a little bit with you guys. I'm going to kind of incorporate it with a, a song that we're going to do next, but um, just some stuff that God has, more than anything, just been stirring in my own heart and in my own life for really the last few years now, but but just it continues to just kind of grow stronger and stronger. Um, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with, with our band, we're called Esther Lynn, and, um, you know, we're a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Boise. We, we travel you know, all over the country and we do camps and conferences and, you know, church services. And, and really more than anything, you know, we just want to be a light. We want to, want to just share, um, what God has done in our lives with, with anyone who's willing to listen and, and, and really to hopefully inspire or encourage or challenge, um, people to do the same in their lives. You know, God has given all of us a sphere of influence and he wants us to use our lives, you know, ultimately to share, his love. And uh, that's what I want to share about this morning is it's God's love. And I know that it's something all of us have heard. It's something we all know. It's something we're all familiar with, something many of us have experienced. Um, but I also think it's the easiest thing to forget. You know, um, even in Revelation, Jesus says, you know, you've left your first love. And I think that that can happen to, to all of us, especially for those of us who have been around the church for, you know, a matter of time. And um, so I want to start with the story of, of little Esther Lynn. Uh, she um, was really the inspiration behind the name because of the power of God's love to change a person's life. When she was just eight days old, she was abandoned um, by her birth parents. They left her on a porch and... Um, they just went about their lives. You know, in China, you're only allowed to adopt, I mean, you're only allowed to have one child. And so many of the kids end up being put up for adoption because of that. Um, it's illegal to have more than one child. And so if a child has physical disability or a mental disability, or even if perhaps it was a girl, that child can be left. And that was the case with little Esther Lynn. And obviously there was nothing she did to earn that or deserve that. We live in a fallen world. And, um, you know, people have, have weird mindsets about things. But God doesn't create mistakes. And God has a plan and a purpose for every single life, including every one of us in this room. And to me, um, I'm just so thankful that he does. Someone saw little Esther Lynn. They took her to an orphanage. And now through God's providence, she's a part of my family. And I uh, just love this little girl so much. She really is the sweetest little thing. She's seven years old now. She just had her birthday in January. And um, already what God has done in her life is really beautiful. He's given her peace. He's given her hope. He's given her a family that loves her. She has security. And um, already she has really been used by God in amazing ways. She has a sensitive um, spirit to the Lord. And it's, it's a picture. To me, it's a picture of God's love, of what God has done for you and I. For those of us here this morning that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he has adopted us, that he has brought us into his family, that he chose us, and that he bought us with something way more way more priceless than than money. He bought us with his blood. 
He's given us life. He has brought us into his family. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We did nothing. He paid the price. He has shown us his love. And to me, there's nothing greater than to accept and receive and to experience that love from God. In the Bible, in James one twenty seven, it says, Pure and undefiled religion before God is to visit the orphans and the widows in their time of need and to keep ourselves unspotted from this world. You know, that has been so challenging to me in my own life because that is God speaking to us about what it means to be religious. So often when we think of religion, I know in my life I think of going to church. I think of saying my prayers. I think of reading my Bible. I think of tithing. Those are religious acts that many of us do when we're a part of. And, and those, are, those are good things. But according to God, in his word, what he has said to us is pure and undefiled religion. It's to love people. It's to help people. It is to do something with our lives to show someone else love. That is what Jesus has done for us, and that is what he expects us to do for others. Yet so often we can get so caught up in programs. We can get so caught up in in, um, church buildings. We can get so caught up in our day-to-day lives that we can forget there is a world that is hurting. There is a world that is depressed. There is a world that is discouraged and overwhelmed and full of guilt and full of shame and looking for love. And they're not able to find it. And God wants to use our lives to show that love, to help the helpless, to love the unlovable. That is, in itself, in a nutshell, true Christianity. And I want more of that in my life. I want more of that in my life because that is God's heart. That's what he wants from us. He doesn't. He does not want our sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. He wants us to obey him, to follow him, to do what it is that he has done for us. It says not only are we to love, are we to help, to take care of those who are in need, but secondly, it says that we are to keep ourselves unspotted from this world. That's a challenging, challenging thing to do because all of us, All of us have had this world on us. We all have been influenced by the things of this world. We all have allowed the things of the world, the the way people think, the way people act, to influence our lives. We often can get ourselves caught up in in seeking to please people rather than pleasing God. We all can can end up just going through the motions of Christianity and not, not really living a life that's separate, but just becoming like everyone else. God wants us to be unspotted. He wants us to be different. He wants us to be set apart. He wants people to see our lives and to say there's something different about that person. There is something different about that life. It's not about just them. You see, the Bible says that there is a wide, there's a wide road that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it. There is a narrow path that leads to life. And there are few who find it. 
You see, we are seeking to walk that narrow life. We're seeking to walk in a way that does not look like everybody else. And so that is what I ask you this morning. Look at your life. Do you look like everyone else? Do you act the same way? Do you talk the same way? Are, are, are your purposes and in your dreams the same as everyone else? Is it, is it all about finances? Is it all about, you know, vacations? Is it all about goals and dreams and education and all these things that we can get so fixated on? They're called secondary things in life. They are secondary to the narrow path. Who is life? Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is the path that we are to follow. It's a path that leads to true peace, to true freedom. It's a path that leads to true direction and, and, and really fulfillment in life. God created us to only be satisfied by him and him alone. And that wide path leads to destruction. The Bible says that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is passing away. But he who does the will of God abides forever. You see, it's easy to be like everyone else. It's easy to strive for the things of the world. It's easy to try to find your identity and what you own or the talents that you have and where you've gone or what you've accomplished. It's easy to go through life and to try to find our identity and our security and what we think we are. But that is not God's intention. He wants us to be different. He wants to set us apart because Jesus was set apart. You see, he is our ultimate example. He is the one that we are to look to. He is the one that we are truly to aspire to, to say, Jesus, how did you live your life? There's a simple statement that has really helped me continue to understand, to understand who it is that Jesus is and how I am to follow him. The Bible says that no servant is greater than his master. Now, for those of us here this morning that have accepted Jesus Christ in our life, the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't say believe in Jesus and you'll be saved because we know that the demons even believe in God, but they are not saved. It says that we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is our Lord, that he is the one ruling over our lives, that we come under and submit to who he is. That is what it means to truly follow Jesus Christ, that he is our example, that he's our leader, that he's our king of kings. He's the one that we look to. We don't just sing about it. We don't just talk about it, that we truly want to follow his example. Because no servant is greater than his master. Is Jesus your master here this morning? Are you following in his footsteps? To be a Christian means that we are Christ-like. Jesus lived a life of what? Love. He lived a life of humility. He lived a life that put others before himself. He lived a life of prayer. It says in Mark one thirty-five that before before the sun even had risen, that Jesus was praying to his father, that he was seeking God's will for his life. If Jesus Christ, God incarnate, had to pray and surrender and seek 
his father's face, his will. How much more should you and I? It's ridiculous. Yet so often, I know very few people who truly have prayer lives that are beyond praying before dinner and praying before bed, but truly realizing that God says you have not because you ask not. God says, seek me and you'll find me. God says to pray, to pray to the Lord of harvest that he will send workers. You see, God wants us to have faith. We cannot please God without faith. It takes faith to trust that when we pray, God hears us and something happens because God has set it up that way. He doesn't want us to be robots. He doesn't want to just take care of everything and us have no involvement. God wants us to pray. And he set that example for us. You and I need to become people of prayer. That is where there is power. That is where true life happens, is through prayer. Jesus is our example. No servant is greater than his master. Jesus not only was a man of prayer, he not only was a man of love and and of humility, we know that he went about seeking to have compassion on this world. The Bible says that Jesus looked at the people and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion because he saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. He saw that they were lost and they were scattered and they were hopeless. And so often when we see people that are struggling, when we see people who are addicted to drugs, when we see people who are sleeping around, when we see people who are making messes of their lives and the people around them, we're disgusted. We're disgusted. We're like, ugh, can't you just get straight? Can't you just grow up finally? Can't you just get your life together? Why do you have to be in my community? Why do you have to be around me? Why do you have to set an example for for my children and I have to deal with this and put up with this? Why are you my neighbor? You can't clean up your house. You know, we, we start being judgmental. We start looking down on people and feeling like we are holier than thou. We're not. We are not. Only by God's grace have we been saved from ourselves, from our sin. And God has set us an example. Jesus was moved with compassion. Yet so often I find myself and I find so much of the church living in gossip, living in gossip towards others. It might be your family member. It might be your brother, your sister, your parents, your children. It might be one of your coworkers. And it's just so easy to just point out all of their faults, to point out all of their weaknesses, to see all of their sin, all of their pride, all of their lust, all of their insecurities, whatever it might be. And it makes us just feel a little bit better about ourselves. That is not Christianity. That is not Jesus' heart. Jesus was moved with compassion. When we see people, may we see people with God's eyes. May we see people with God's heart that when we see someone struggling and begging for for food on the corner, instead of being like, dude, get a job. Maybe we could have a little compassion and realize that something's going on in this person's life. Even if they are faking it, to to stand on a corner and to beg that you've got to get to a place of brokenness in your life because no one wants to do that. We should have compassion on people. 
We should love them with the love that God has given us. The Bible says, freely as you have received, freely give. God has given you so much. He's given you eternal life. He's given you peace. He's given you joy. He's given you freedom. He's blessed you. And God wants us to do the same for those in our lives. You don't have to adopt someone from across the world to make a difference with your life. There's people right here, people that you go to school with, people that you work with. There's people in your community, people that you see at the coffee shop, your husband, your wife, your children. There are people around you who need love, who need compassion, who need God's goodness. And God has given it to you that you would give it out to others. What a privilege that we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus to this world. There is no greater prize than to be used by our creator, by the one who saved us. Jesus, his example goes on to the point where he gave everything, his entire life. He gave it for you and I, that we could have life in him. Does that seem unreasonable for us to give our lives for someone else? You know, it kind of disgusts me about myself when I look at myself and, and I see how often I can try to create my own little kingdom. You know, we as an American culture, we're so fixated on ourselves. We're so fixated on the things that we collect, the, 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 the junk that, that we own, and, and the, the things that we aspire to. It's, it's weird that we are so focused on creating our own little kingdoms. If I could just, you know, have another rental house or if I could just get up higher in my, in my job and, you know, if I could just go be able to go travel and do this and experience this and if I could just work 40 years so I can take the next 25 years of my life and do nothing, I would be so happy. Is that, is that God? Is that God's heart? Is that who he wants us to be? People that are just focused on comfort, that life is all about you, It's all about me. It's all about what we can pull from this life, the experiences and the joy. We just use people and we suck life out of people. That is the exact opposite of who God wants us to be. He wants us to be pouring life into people, pouring love into people. That's true Christianity. No servant is greater than his master. If Jesus gave you everything, We have to give everything. The Bible says our life is not our own. It has been bought. It is now his. That is a life that's worth living. And it's a life that very few Christians live. I don't want to be that kind of person. I know that I am at times. But I don't want to be that kind of person because it's a life that has no effect. It's a life that truly has no value. Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, And every one of us in this room dies. Ultimately, love is all that matters. All the stuff that you collected, the cars that you owned, the places that you went, the shows that you watched, the experiences that you had, it's all worthless. It's all pointless. It all has no value. You know why in 1 Corinthians, why it says, now... At the end of all these things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Because when we're in heaven, 
there will still be love. We will no longer need faith. We will no longer need hope. But we will always need love. God created us to be loved and to love. Amazing things will happen in your life and in my life when we truly say, God, I want to accept that love wholly and I want to give that love. God will do things in in and through you that you would have never guessed he could do. You see, in 2 Chronicles 16.9, it's my favorite scripture in all of the Bible. 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Isn't that an amazing picture? God is scanning the earth. Right now, he's scanning every one of us. He's looking over the top of our heads. He's seeing us. And what is he looking for? Is he looking for talent? Is he looking for ability? Is he looking for great finances and great influence? Is he looking for people that just are really knowledgeable and have a lot of education? What is God looking for? He's looking for people who have hearts that are what? Loyal to him. We can be loyal to so many different things. To our coffee every morning. To our work. We can be loyal to our TV shows. We can be loyal to so many silly things in life. God, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and I is asking what? That you would be loyal to him. He says he will be strong in your life. That's a promise that is equal opportunity. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what kind of childhood you had. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in your life. God is an equal opportunity God. He's looking for people who have hearts that are loyal. Let's say, God, I put you before anything else in my life. God will use you. He will use you in amazing ways. And he'll do things that you could have never expected because we serve a God that can move mountains. You see, when my sister and her husband, when they adopted little Esther Lynn, they would have never guessed that just two months, two years later, sorry, they would adopt another child, a little boy. They named him Hudson after the great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor. And then not long after that, one morning, little Esther Lynn, she was just three years old, almost four, she came up to my sister, her mom. She said, Mommy, I have a little sister in China. And her name's Bella. And we need to get on an airplane and we need to bring her home. My sister said, okay, honey, well, let's pray for her. So they sat down together and they prayed for that little girl that she called Bella. Now, this wasn't her physical sister. She was left at eight days old. But it was something that God put in her heart. And so every day for three months, every single day, Esther Lynn just kept saying, Mommy, don't forget about my sister. We need to go get her. We need to pray for her. So they just kept praying every day as a family. Well, at the end of that three months, something happened. My sister got a phone call from one of her friends, and she said, Sarah, you've got to check out this adoption agency today. She sent her a link. My sister opened it up to find there was a little girl up for adoption from China. She was three years old, and her name was Bella. And she couldn't believe it. She said, no way. How can this be happening? Because first of all, little girls in China, they're not named Bella. They're named like Yaya, you know. And little Esther Lynn, she came running into that computer. She said, Mommy, that's my sister. 
Couldn't believe it. God, how could you do this? This is, this is a miracle. Well, they called the adoption agency. They said, hey, could you tell us about this little girl? They said, yeah, her name's Bella. She's missing three of her fingers, but she's, a, she's just the sweetest little girl. And there's actually two families who've been waiting to adopt her for quite a while. And they said, well, that's awesome. We've been praying for her. That's great. She has a family. And they left it at that. Well, two weeks go by. And that same agency calls my sister back. And they said, Sarah, we don't know what happened. Both families decided to move in a different direction. They're not going to be adopting little Bella. We wanted to give you an opportunity to adopt her if you'd like. But you've got to make a decision today. And so now... Just a couple years later, little Bella is a part of our family. Isn't that amazing? God is alive. He's real. It's not just church. It's not just religion. It's not just coming and sitting and listening to someone talk. God is real. He wants to move in every person's life, not just the pastors, not just the missionaries, regular people, you and I. God wants to do miracles in our lives. But we have to be willing We have to be willing. We have to be available to say, you know what? Yeah, I could use $30,000 somewhere else, but you know what? What's more important than a person's life? A minivan? No, it's not. It's not more important because it's not more important to God. And we can justify it all day long. But God wants to use our lives to show his love to people. That's what life is about. It's not about anything else. And I want more of that heart in me. I want more of that heart in me. And so that is my challenge to everyone here and myself, that God would give us willing hearts to say, God, whatever, whatever you want to do in my life, it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, God, you have me here. What's your purpose? What's your plan for me, for my family? my resources, with my talents, with my sphere of influence, God? How can you use my life to show your love in a greater way? You see, what if my sister, when little Esther Lynn said, Mommy, I've got a little sister in China. Her name's Bella. What if my sister would have said, Honey, no, you don't. We don't even know if you have a sister. And just left it at that. Maybe we wouldn't have seen the hand of God work in an amazing way. You see, she was willing to say, let's pray. Let's see what God might do. And that's what I ask of you, is that you would say, God, what might you do in my family, in my life, with my job and with my friends and even with my enemies? God, how could you use me to show your love, to show your grace, to show your goodness? How could you use me, God? He will use you. Because if God can speak through a little three-year-old, and if God can speak through a donkey, guess what? God can speak through you and I. Because God is a powerful God, and it's not about us. It's about him. So lastly, how do we get that love? You know, we've been talking about it. I'm talking about the importance of, of loving and, and serving and being the people that God's called us to be and having hearts that are loyal to him. How do we get to that place? I realize in my own life, when I don't feel like loving God, when I don't want to know him, when I don't want to seek him, it's because I haven't been in his presence. It's because I haven't been in his word. It's because I haven't been reminding myself of who he is and what he's already done. You see, God's word, God's word teaches us who God is. 
and his love for us. And when we are in his word and when we're in his presence, we feel his love. We see his love. We realize that he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And that he loves us. The Bible says God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were still sinners, he chose to die for us. That's amazing. We serve a loving God. The Bible says his love has no bounds, that nothing can separate us from his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is all throughout scripture. And if we're not in his presence through his word, we're not going to be experiencing his love. If we're not experiencing his love on a daily basis, guess what? We're not going to be giving out his love. We're going to be selfish. It's that simple. Every day. That's why we have to abide. Abide in the vine. Abide in Jesus Christ. Learn of his love every day. Because as we learn of his love, we respond to that love by loving him back. And then we want to what? We want to love what he loves. We want to love who he loves. And who does God love? God loves the world. For God so loved the world. And so naturally, what are we going to want to do? We're going to want to love the world, those who are hurting. We're going to be moved with compassion to those who are alone, to those who are frustrated, to those who are addicted. We are going to love the unlovable. We're going to love those who spit in our face. We're going to love those who've hurt us because that's who he loves. That's what he's done. That's his example to you and I. This is a very, very simple message. God has a plan for every one of us. It's a great plan because he's a great God. And he wants us to receive his love Respond to that love and worshiping and honoring him and then taking that love to this world. To me, that's what life should be all about. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary. Church, Sunday mornings, it's secondary. Our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis is primary. That's That alone will make us people that have hearts that are loyal to him, that he will be strong. So I'm going to close um, in this this song um, that I wrote about my little niece. It says that God is a father to the fatherless, that he's a healer of the brokenness, and that he makes beauty from the ashes. Maybe you're here this morning and you have ashes in your life. You have things that have just seemed to fall apart. You have hurt, you have shame, you have guilt. We serve a God who loves us the very same. His love isn't based upon our performance, not based upon how good we are or how bad we are. It's based upon who he is and what he's already done. And so if you've never accepted that love, accept it. It's the greatest gift you could ever have. You know, it's like Christmas morning, except a lot bigger. You don't deserve it. You don't earn it. You just accept it by his grace that we've been saved. If you're here this morning and and maybe you feel like myself where where you just find yourself going through the motions, you know, you find yourself at church, you find yourself reading your Bible every once in a while, you find yourself uh, saying prayers before you eat your breakfast, but you you don't feel God's presence in your life. You don't sense his power and his authority ruling over your flesh and your mind. 
you don't see God moving and working through your life to touch other people in your community, your family, your friends, your enemies. God wants to give you more. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. You're not here just to go through life and kind of live. God wants you to be full. He wants you to have a rich life. And it's not found in stuff. It's found in him. And so maybe this morning would be the, the time where you could say, God, I want that. I want that for my life. I want that for my family. I want to see you do awesome things in my life. Not because of me, but in spite of me. That way you can get the glory, God. That way you can be lifted on high. That's an amazing life to live. So as we play this next song, I would just ask that you would, would even spend some time in prayer. You know, that you would allow God to speak to your life. That you would ask God maybe to come into your life for the first time. Or maybe you could ask God to, to renew that first love that you had. Or maybe you want God to break the cycle of going through the motions. Maybe you're really struggling with some stuff in your life and, and you, need, you need freedom. The Bible says the truth will set you free. Maybe you're here this morning and you're just feeling really discouraged. You're feeling really overwhelmed. The Bible says to cast your cares to him because he cares for you. But we got to do it, you know? If we're going to say you know, we're Christians and we're going to live this life, we got to do it. And believe me, it'll be amazing. Because we serve an amazing God who loves us so much. The song's called Esther. He heals the broken hearted, he binds their wounds, he is love. He finds those forgotten, those who've been abused, he is love. And he knows your name A father and fatherless A healer of the brokenness you made A beauty from the ashes You're a helper to the helpless A father for the hopeless you love those who are alone those who are Comforts the lonely, he hears their cry, he is love. 
He holds the children throughout the night. He is love. And He knows your name. Oh, Father, you the fatherless, a healer of the brokenness you make. Beauty from the ashes You're a helper to the helpless A fighter for the hopeless You love those who are alone Give us your heart, Lord Help us love the unseen. Give us your eyes, Lord. Help us love those in need. You're a father to the fatherless. A healer of the brokenness you make A beauty from the ashes You're a helper to the helpless A fighter for the hopeless You love those who are alone Those who are alone He knows your name. He knows your name. Why don't we all stand together?